2: As a person of color, I'm gonna always have a white teacher, a white mentor. There's gonna be a rare case where somebody's gonna grow up in America and not have that. I'm by naturally gonna have to learn how to be culturally bilingual uh, and probably multilingual. Generally speaking, if you're white, you generally don't have to have a mentor to see the world in a different way, and so you end up having these confirmation biases. You know, you, you filter the world through the way that you see the world. And it's continued to be reinforced more and more and more.
1: Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. With the events this summer that have heightened racial tensions, we return to that issue. In fact, Gabe, this and next week, we want to highlight an online event that Q hosted earlier this summer called Q Sessions Race and Repair. Tell us about it
3: we hosted 10 talks all dealing with this topic that so many of us are concerned about and care about. But the better informed we are, the more educated we are, the better we're going to know how to respond. And so we didn't want to just make it a conversation about race. We wanted to make it about how do we restore? How do we renew? How do we reconcile? How do we repair? How does God want us to move forward? And so the stories that took place over these 10 talks, both in understanding history, understanding terms like systemic racism and White privilege and a lot of these terms that get thrown around, even uh, the idea of critical race theory. What is that? We were able to talk about that and have conversation about it, and even people maybe having different viewpoints on it. But we were able to talk about it. But then we were able to hear stories of how people are repairing. And then we concluded the time with David Bailey, who was my co-host and helped me organize this event. And he's the leader of Arabon, which you can learn more about his organization at arabon.com. But he gave this talk to really just help all of us be encouraged that we each can make a difference in this if we think long term. So I want to listen into the talk, and then I want you to hang around, because then I'm going to talk to David, and we're going to unpack this talk further, and hear some of his insights about how do we apply this practically and personally right now. And so listen to the talk, and then hang around for a conversation with David.
2: Uh, The question of where do we go from here, uh, or what do we do, is a question I've actually have received a lot over the last uh, few weeks as we've been uh, experiencing significant uh, uh, challenges. And I heard somebody said that Joe Saxton, uh, I'm going to credit this to her, and uh, if she didn't say it, we'll just say Billy Graham so that we can um, take it seriously. But, you know, uh, it says like, hey, we're responding to a moment, but what we really need to do is be preparing for a marathon. And Where do we go from here is there are some things that we have to respond to in this moment, but then there's also some things that we're going to uh, respond to in a marathon. How do we prepare, like, for a marathon? And so in this moment, like, uh, I want to just take, hey, what do we do today? Like, in one day, what is something that we do uh, to begin to deal with race and the concept of repair? Uh, The first thing is that we need to listen. We need to listen to God. Hey, God, what are you saying? Let me me just pause. Like, I know there might be some things that I've been taught the way I should believe. and some ways I've been thinking for a really long time. But actually, let's sit in silence and ask God, hey, God, what do you think? Let's listen to our neighbor, particularly our neighbor that is different than us, um, that brother or sister that you may not know, or even uh, uh, that neighbor uh, who you might not know. But try to listen to see what is it they're saying, and particularly listen um, with your heart. Uh, There's a lot of pain going on, and particularly in this area, there'll be feelings of fear, grief, anger, and shame. But we got to listen. And you also need to listen to the state of your soul. There's some pain that you might be experiencing, some grief, some anger, some shame, uh, some confusion, some being overwhelmed. But sit with that before the Lord. If we do not allow ourselves to be formed spiritually, then that's a formula for trouble. So in one day... You can listen in a week you can begin to the learning process you can get the chance to to, to read some things that you uh, would have not normally known about until uh, this particular moment or there might have been some things that you heard about that made it have caused you to pause in this particular uh, uh, talks that, that that happened today but take a moment and listen and to learn you can start this within this next week but then in a month over this next you know four weeks begin to take inventory take inventory of the assets that you have the resources that you have the relationships the the finances the 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 skill sets the also take opportunity of the inventory of the opportunities that you have what are the opportunities that we could see to begin to see as we learn about race as we listen as we take inventory what are the opportunities that we see but even we should also take inventory of our own poverty. Like, what's the poverty that you have? There might be a poverty of relationships that if this is the first time that you've heard this or you might have a person of color uh, uh, that you've been in a relationship with but they never, like, shared this before or never shared this pain, like, you might want to take inventory of, like, why might that be the case and what are some areas that I'm absent. And I think this is really important for white brothers and sisters to begin to think about, to think about what is your poverty um, because of the fact that you haven't been in this conversation. So this is some things that we could do in that moment, whether it's today, this week, or, or this month. But then how do you prepare for a marathon? You know, if you're just finding out about this, this work is a marathon. You just don't jump in and run a marathon. You got to prepare for a marathon. There are some things you have to do, and, and listening is a really important thing. Uh, uh, learning is a really important thing, and taking inventory is a really important activity to engage in. But over a year what you want to do is begin to have some imagination of what does reconciling or repairing culture making look like? We're here today because of the culture that was made yesterday. So if we want to see something different tomorrow, we have to create new culture today. And so I want to encourage you to begin to think like, hey, as I am listening, as I'm learning, as I am taking inventory, what is God doing in my life to kind of help me to build something that could engage in some repairing? It might be a company. It might be a, uh, a business. It might be your own family. But there is this concept that uh, uh, you, we can oftentimes overestimate what we can do in a tweet. We can oftentimes overestimate what we can do in a year. But we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. And so when you begin to prepare for this marathon, you want to think about, hey, if I, I start some reconciling culture making or some, 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 some repairing in this area of race through, through culture making, what does it look like if I do a long obedience in the same direction for 10 years? I might not be able to organize a march. I might not uh, be able to start a business uh, or I could start a business or I could start a nonprofit. I might not start a nonprofit, but whatever it is that God has given you, there is something that you can do to engage in the repair that is needed. If you do it diligently, a with will in the same direction over 10 years. Take the time to listen. Take the time to learn take the time to do some inventory, begin to get in some reconciling, culture-making. And and you want to start in a direction over the next year, but you want to see how do you do this over the course of 10 years, not only in your own personal life, but also in the life of your institution. You know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to embarrass this brother, but a person that really means a lot in this community is Andy Crouch. Andy Crouch and his wife, Catherine, you know, uh, uh, they are really amazing people. Andy is an um, uh, uh, author, a thinker, and uh, he's a really smart, sharp guy. I believe he went to Harvard. I mean, you know, he's a sharp guy. His wife is a scientist. So if you're a scientist in my uh, mind, you definitely are like the sharpest person in the room. And when you meet Catherine, she really is. And I think about, I was reflecting on this. In 2011, I met Andy Crouch. I met him in my neighborhood. I met him uh, um, being a person who... Uh, diligently, he was was like serving in my community, and he was doing some investigation um, to do a journalism project called This Is Our City back when he was working for Christianity Today. I was just steadily working, and he noticed that, hey, this guy didn't go to Harvard. This guy has been serving in his community, uh, um, doing some really interesting things, and he had, uh, uh, you know what, this brother kind of needs to be in this, uh, uh, in this place of influence of like maybe coming to the queue to kind of speak into some of the things that's going on or, you know, uh, we need to hear his story. And he realized that he wasn't using the same criteria that he learned from his kind of white, cultural, normal spaces of success as Andy, as I got a chance to know him, he's become a good friend over the years. Like, hey, what happened? He spent some time um, as a musician apprenticing in the black church. But then his faith also got shaped by the black church. But then as I got a chance to know Catherine, I mean, she spent time uh, um, living in John Perkins' community. And so she spent time being mentored by a person of color um, and, and, and engaging in this particular area. And so they began to have some, as they listened to God, to their neighbor, and to the state of their souls, they began to form some practices to say, like, hey, uh, I'm going to take inventory of what's going on. I'm going to spend some more time learning. But, but they said, like, hey, we're going to do some things over a course of many years. Not so that we could save the world, but so that we could be transformed ourselves. You know, Andy gave an invitation for a relationship that was different than another Type of invitation that I received uh, around that same time of the year when I met somebody, and it's a pretty predominant ministry, and they gave an invitation that, "Hey, we will find we like what you're doing in your community. We will find you money to go to seminary, pay for everything." In essence, it became like an indoctrination type of offer that we only receive you this stuff if you kind of come into our community, and after you come into the community, go through this indoctrination then uh, you can kind of have keys to our kingdom. You can have access to all these things. And one invitation was an invitation of partnership and rebuilding. Another was an invitation of colonialism. It didn't matter, like, what I was doing in the community and how I would be extracted from the community because that particular white community had the right doctrine and had the right all the, quote, quote, things. But yet what Andy and Catherine did is that their invitation was like, hey, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to, uh, 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 I see what you're doing in your community, and I think that there's some things that we can benefit in our community, but I still want you to be incarnationally placed in our community. And one of the ways that they not only repair what's going on in society, but within their own heart is that 50% of their giving goes to ministries led by people of color. One, because they know, hey, things are really broken. And as white people at a certain socioeconomic space, we uh, uh, are going to get more opportunities to give to people who look like us and think like us. We're going to understand these ministries. And so it's a lot easier to give to these ministries that are like us. And so unless we put some kind of rule in place, we're just going to do the natural thing that our culture is going to uh, 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 naturally have us to go towards. And so maybe what we could do is we can engage in some repair. You know, at the time, I mean, the Q conference is not a cheap conference now, but it was, like, way more expensive. And I was like, what's the Q, and why is this thing so expensive? And, and, and one of the things that, that, that Andy and Catherine did was they said, hey, this is not a diverse space. So we're going to pay a certain amount of money uh, to buy tickets to diversify amongst gender and race. And when they gave, they gave and said, hey, you don't owe me anything. You don't even have to come and say thank you. You don't have to come and talk to me. All I want you to do is just, uh, um, you know, get there and, and pay it forward for somebody else. Let us know who else we could do this for. And so these are silent practices that they do for their own spirituality, but then also for their repair and how they can begin to do both, not only personal work, but institutional work. So I just want to encourage you that as you take these ideas, that you begin to think through these things, ask the question, hey, God, what is it that you're saying? Neighbors, let me hear you from your heart. Uh soul. what's going on inside? How can I learn more? How can I take inventory of not only the assets I have, the opportunities I have, but also my own poverty? How can I engage in reconciling culture-making, not only from a year from now, but over this next decade? Thank you very much.
3: David, thank you so much for being with us to just follow up on what an amazing talk and a way to really conclude Two hours of conversations that can feel really overwhelming. I think all of us right now in this moment want to do something that's reparative, that's restoring, that's reconciling. But you can get overwhelmed by where do I start? What do I do? And I feel like you just left us there going, you all can do something, but you got to be thinking long term. I love this quote. You said there are some things that we have to respond to in this moment, but then there's also some things that we're going to respond to in a marathon. And that kind of long-term view has always shaped the way we're trying to think about Q and our work over decades, not just over the next year. And so I just appreciated you bringing that. But as you, as you look back just on that commission to us, what are some of your reflections on this idea of the marathon and why that's so important to keep in mind as well?
2: I mean, I think first of all it's that, I mean, we just overestimate what can done in a, a year. And I, I think, you know, we're in a, microwave generation and things that have even gotten faster. Microwaves have gotten even more efficient, you know, like, and so we're just so used to like stuff happening quickly. Um, but you know, when you think about the NAACP, they got started in 1909 with W. Du Bois, James Brother Johnson, um, some, um, Jewish brothers and sisters and some, some white brothers and sisters. They started in 1909, but it wasn't until 1954, the Brown versus board of education case happened. That was 45 years of working on a strategy, you know? And even back in 1909, they were like trying to do equality, um, police brutality, uh, anti-lynching. And it just takes time, you know? Dr. King was 13 years, you know, of like public ministry in the ways that we think about it. And remember, and most of it, he spent depressed because he didn't think he, like, he was doing anything. And so I think that historical view is really, really important um, as we try to do our little piece in this greater story.
3: Yeah. I love taking a view of history and really sociology, like how things change, like they take time and it takes intention and it usually isn't recognized really till after your life's over many times. I mean, we look back and see these heroes of the past, but when they were living, people didn't always recognize them as such. Um, And, and I think there's an integrity in that as well that, helps you see just the long line that you're walking out and keeps you steady, gives you a good pace, but helps you stay living out of conviction, not just out of the the heat of the moment. And I love that about you and your life. And I just kind of want to go back to part of, you know, why we're even having this conversation today was when you and I became friends, this conversation around race was not something that I really knew how to explore. And God brought you into my life through our mutual friend, Andy Crouch, that you shared about, you know, just now in this, in this talk. But when we began our relationship, I mean, I just remember sitting with you and learning and you mentoring me in an area, in a subject matter, in a history that I really hadn't heard and uh, how grateful I was for that. And that's one of the things I know that you, you challenge us to think about is this idea of having mentors and for white people and leaders like myself to have people of color who are mentoring us. um, Why, why do you believe that's an important part of how we're moving forward now in relationship and as a society, why we need to have more conversations like that?
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, part of the deal of this is right. Like as a person of color, I'm going to always have a white teacher, a white mentor. There's going to be a rare case where somebody's going to grow up in America and not have that. And so I'm naturally going to have to learn how to be bilingual, culturally bilingual, uh, and probably multilingual. But, you know, if generally speaking, if you're white, um, if you are, you know, particularly at a certain education level and socioeconomic space, you generally don't have to uh, um, have a mentor to see the world in a different way. And so you end up having these confirmation biases. You know, you, you filter the world through the way that you see the world, and it's continued to be reinforce more and more and more and so that that is something that is really uh key because we all have blind spots so like if, if we have a christian anthropology a christian way of understanding humanity we know that we all are made an image of god and have a gift to offer but then we also know that we all are fallen and so that there's going to be some blind spots that we have and sometimes it can be hard if you're part of majority culture to see your own blind spots unless there is somebody who is different than you, but not even like as a person that's under you in authority, not a person that's even just like beside you, but even like having somebody who say, hey, I'm going to like acknowledge that I don't know a thing. I'm going to sit under somebody's leadership. And I'll uh, learn from there. And, and there's so much that can be learned in, in that type of posture.
3: Yeah, I shared this during the event. But one of the things you did that was so practical was you looked at a book I'd written in 2010 called The Next Christians. And you did a bit of an audit on it. And, and you read through it and and you helped me understand the ways in which I either was not acknowledging people of color enough or when I did, it was in certain ways or certain circumstances that didn't always position a non-white person uh, in, a, in a light that would see them as the leader, the hero, the the one accomplishing the significant task that maybe I was writing about. It was very convicting, um, but it was also very helpful because if we don't have friends in our lives who we open ourselves to to say, "Hey, will you help critique this for me?" Like I need perspective that I'm not getting, and. That began a journey to where the next book I ended up writing, I had you read it. I had you fully engaged in helping me make sure I would not make that mistake again and that I had grown. And I think over those years I'd grown to where it was just more natural for me to think in a different way. And so for all of us to just acknowledge we need this, we need this from our friends, we need to be vulnerable, we need to open ourselves up and let people know where we're not understanding things, Um, it's really helpful. So, David,
2: um, I mean, just just jumping in, you know, even Michael Jordan and Serena Williams and Tiger Woods have a coach,
1: you know, like,
2: (laughs) you know, the the greatest athlete that you can think of, you know, has a coach and has a team of trainers and, uh, you know, folks that, you know, help them and empower them. And I think uh, um, it's important just in, I mean, that's a general disposition in my life that I try to always have a, a coach, a mentor, somebody I'm submitted to, but, particularly in this area um, where, you know, if you're an adult, established career, white person, and you just now starting to understand some stuff about race, then it's like, I said, give yourself permission to be ignorant and understand there's a whole lot of reasons why, but don't feel like, Hey, I need, like I have to figure it all out by myself or I need to like know all the answers, like get a coach, you know, get, get somebody and and, and a professional coach, like not, not somebody that, like all people of color, they definitely have, they're an expert in their experience and they know the experience, but they might not have the uh, skill sets to do this type of work. Like this is a different type of skill set, you know? Um, I would just think about that. Like you might know somebody that had ran a business and knows a few things about uh, contracts, but you actually hire a lawyer when you actually need legal advice. And that's the same thing that I would really encourage that, yeah, there was a friendship, but there's also like a professional element that is, is going in that I want to encourage the listener to think through in this way.
3: Yeah, that's good. And I love the analogy to athletics because we, we can easily see that. If you want to be skilled and you want to grow, you're going to have people pushing you, helping you think, giving you new perspectives. You don't always have to accept every single thing the person's telling you to do. but But when you submit into that, you really are able to grow.
1: We have to press the pause button right there on Gabe's discussion with David Bailey, and we'll pick up there next week. Until then, Gabe, let's invite everyone to check out the two-hour Q session, Race and Repair at QIdeas.org.
3: This is a perfect time for you to gather your family, your friends, maybe it's your small group, and come together and watch these 10 talks in a row. I mean, it's two straight hours. David and I walking people through this conversation on race. And if you're new to the conversation, or maybe you care deeply about it, but you don't know what the way forward is, and you're confused about how we as Christians should approach this, this is going to give you confidence to know how to move forward. And like
1: you said earlier, Gabe, this session includes some insights from some great thought leaders. One person was new Newbell, who encouraged us as parents to actively talk with our kids about the multi-ethnic beauty of God's kingdom and why racism has no part of it. Here's just a taste of
0: her talk. We see God created every person in his image. Mm -hmm. And we see that he's given us a beautiful multi-ethnic mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And as was already talked about, Ephesians 2, the veil of hostility has been broken down in the body of Jesus Christ. We will one day, forever, be worshiping together. We have a better word in the scriptures, yeah. and so we. I want us to rescue it from the culture and rescue it from. Politics, because we speak a better word. Those who know Jesus. Mm. So political, we we can yep. think it's political, and it can hinder us from speaking to it. I think another thing is is that we don't think our kids will understand. Mm. And as I've already mentioned, kids will understand. They they yeah. will know. As a matter of fact, um, again, and I, I I talked about this. Who's going to be teaching our kids? Yeah. They're going to learn. So they're either going to learn. On the street, they're going to learn in their classroom. They're going to learn somewhere, mm-hmm. and so we want to be the ones that are educating and 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 helping our kids to understand about cultural and differences. And I don't remember the third one that I yeah. <laughs> that I wrote, but
3: well, I think the point is we w- there's a fear. I mean, you you talk about the role of faith in our lives, and and I think fear is the reason we would hold back from having honest conversations. We know from our data that in the church, many times our Christians in sitting in pews feel like their pastors don't talk about the difficult issues, right? Yeah. There's like a fear around moving into space where we don't have all the answers. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about why, as Christians, like we don't get the option to just back out of these conversations. Even if we don't know all the answers, how fruitful is it just to get into a conversation with your kids and, and maybe hear what they think?
0: Yeah, well, as Christians... We are a family, right? right? And we mourn with those who mourn, we weep with those who weep. So we wanna, in order for us to love our neighbor as ourselves, Mm -hmm. we gotta understand our neighbor. And so we can't fear these conversations. We've gotta move into them Mm -hmm. and have them.
1: Again, that was just a small sample of Trillian Newbell's talk on the race and repair Q session from earlier this summer. You can still watch that and all the talks for free at QIdeas.org. Look for Q Sessions, Race and Repair. Again, thanks for joining us this week. Gabe will continue his discussion with David Bailey of Araban next time. We hope you join us.